welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Have you read your weekly communication last Wednesday? I hope you did. And if you didn't, I recommend you do. You will know that last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, which marks the beginning of the season of Lent. This is the first Sunday in in Lent, so I thought today I would talk a little bit about that and how we can use this time as a gift from God. So it's a time of uh, 40 days, which doesn't count the Sundays, from last Wednesday until Holy Saturday, that is the Saturday of the Easter weekend. Lent actually comes from an Anglo-Saxon word, uh, lengthen, which speaks of spring and the lengthening of days. So you can hear it doesn't work quite so well in the southern hemisphere as it does in the north. But there you'll know that the days are lengthening and hopefully soon the snow will start to melt. It's been really cold there and plants will come alive and and we'll see that hint, that symbol of the coming resurrection of Jesus and all the new life that comes from Jesus on that Easter event. And 40 days also represents what we heard about in the reading this morning, 40 days in the wilderness being tested by Satan as Jesus in another way prepared for the ministry that was to come. And I referred to this passage last week and I thought we would just develop it a bit more this week as we talk about Lent. Now Lent is a time of repentance. It's a time of self-examination and reflection. It's a time when we can take things more slowly if we want to, to listen to God. Uh, Over the last week, and I'm not going to give too much detail here because I don't think it would be appropriate, but over the last week, the police have been blitzing a certain road that I drive to work on. And I know none of you ever speed, but you know how it is when you see a police car and immediately your eyes... Do you do that? I was only doing 48 this morning. So I was very relieved about that, but Liz told me that when she came a little bit later, the police were entertaining a guest on the side of the road. So you see, there can be real financial benefits of slowing down (laughs) during Lent and uh, focusing on God. During Lent, it was was also actually a time to prepare new converts in in the early church. So people who had become Christians were taught and prepared and baptised on Easter Sunday. But for us, of course, it's about focusing on our relationship with God, often choosing to give up something. I don't know if any of you are giving up something. People give up all manner of things, like I know people that give up furniture, which is quite inconvenient. Uh, Wine, chocolate. Were you giving up? Pepsi Max. See, now, this is serious discipleship happening here in the front row. Pepsi Max. So it can be helpful to give up something as an act of discipline so that you focus on God. The the other thing to do is to take up something. And I guess that's partly what I'm suggesting today. But some people take up a a different type of service where they serve people in a particular way for these uh, 40 days. So I recommend you think about those things. But it is a time to pause it is a time to recenter on Jesus. And I think after the last year, that actually is a critical thing to do. Hilary of Tours, who was a bishop and doctor of the church who lived in the fourth century, 
described the way that we rush around all the time as the blasphemous anxiety to do God's work for him. Pretty strong statement. But that idea of, of having to be busy, and maybe especially busy in the work of God, if we don't rush around and do the things of God, we're not being a good disciple, he's saying that sometimes it can be that blasphemous anxiety to do God's work for him. And the good news is that God can do God's own work. And actually he's totally capable of doing that. We don't have to make things happen. The better thing is to walk in harmony with the spirit of God. You know, that perpetual motion of being busy and trying to make things happen, all that adrenaline can be mistaken for the movement of the Holy Spirit. It's not. We can live in the illusion that we're in control of our destinies and our lives, and once again, we're not. So last week I said the appropriate place for us is behind Jesus. We're followers. And the interesting thing is when you look at Jesus' life, you'll find it's constantly punctuated by times of withdrawal. And, and if you want to put the phrase Jesus withdrew into your search engine, you will find a whole list of verses that say that. So Jesus withdrew when he heard that John the Baptist was arrested. He withdrew when the Pharisees wanted to harm him. He withdrew when John the Baptist was executed. He withdrew after really busy times of ministry and went to isolated places to pray. He withdrew when the crowds wanted to make him king. And of course he withdrew to pray before he was crucified. If you look up those readings, you'll find that there were times when he withdrew when there was a crowd of people in front of him wanting ministry. You know, people who were sick or had you know, various injuries and things. There still came a time where his spirit sensed it was time to go and be with his father. And he did that on every occasion. So it's like his life had this structure of withdrawal. And I want to urge you to have a structure of withdrawal as well, and Lent's a really good time to start that. If we imagine that discipleship is following, or I suppose at the very most walking next to Jesus, I think that what that says to us is we need to do a lot of withdrawing. If we don't withdraw as well, well, I guess in a sense we're going to be way ahead of where Jesus is. And we don't want to be there because we want to be with Jesus. So that busyness, I think, can be a form of idolatry, something, something where we make ourselves and our busyness more important than Jesus. In Western culture, I think there's a lot of emphasis on hard work, on achievement, on excellence, and even bigness. And the problem is, if we start achieving some of those things, the chances are we're going to pat ourselves on the back instead of falling on our knees in front of the Christ. And that's where we belong. Withdrawing and, and making space puts things in perspective. It puts us behind Jesus and it puts us in harmony with the Holy Spirit. And so today's reading is one of the longer passages of withdrawal, 40, 40 days where he, he withdrew. You heard it was an account of Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. And I want to make quite a strong statement about Jesus because I'm not sure how you perceive him. But what I want to say to you about this passage is that unless Jesus was actually tempted in the wilderness, then these are not temptations. 
So in other words, he has to actually feel the power of being tempted for them to be legitimately temptations. So when you think about this passage, I want you to have in mind not the high, mighty, um, divine son, but Jesus in all of his humanity. And the only way that he resists Satan in that humanity is with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that means for us, when we withdraw, when we're being tempted, whenever things are coming at us, we are only human, but we have the same spirit who allows us to resist. So Luke's tempted three times. Jesus, sorry. So he's tempted to ascribe ultimate worth to particular things instead of ultimate worth to the Father. And he always chooses the Father. The three temptations are the devil's invitation to make bread from stone, impress the crowds by death-defying leaps and claim political power for global domination. Now, all temptations are invitations for Jesus to pursue greatness over faithfulness. And Jesus refused greatness in favour of faithfulness. And that's our call too to always resist the temptations and remain faithful to the one who has called us. So assuming that you want to do that, assuming that you want to invest more in God during Lent, I want to just draw out a couple of things from the passage that will help you. The first is that the whole Trinity is involved. Uh, And so thank you, Paul, for choosing that first song. You know, one of the wonderful things about working with worship leaders I mean, you don't necessarily have a great deal of contact with each other. You can choose a song. There may be a theme floating around. But it's the same spirit that works in all of us. So time and time again, I find worship leaders choose the songs that I need for what I'm saying. And that should affirm the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the first one, it just talked about the Trinity. So in this passage, before the temptations, um, Jesus is baptised, the Father is involved, the Spirit is involved, Jesus is involved. And a word comes from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, or you are my beloved. You are my beloved. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit are there, and God is well pleased because Jesus is acting in harmony with what has been decided. So the other thing to note here is that when Jesus goes into the wilderness, he goes knowing he's loved. Now, I don't know how many of you have been in a position where you've really felt unloved. And if you're on your own and unloved, that's a tough place. And even when you're dealing with difficult things, if you know you're loved, that's a much better place to be. And that's what's happening to Jesus, and it's what happens when we go through Lent as well. We go knowing we are the beloved, the beloved of God. So then our passage begins with Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led into the Spirit by the wilderness. So there's a few things here. Firstly, you can hear that Jesus is obeying still. So he's walking in harmony with the plan for salvation for the world. But the second thing is Jesus is not alone. I don't know whether you've thought about this passage sometimes and you think, poor Jesus, 40 days in the desert and he's got to do it all on his own. 
Well, he doesn't. He didn't. The Spirit is with him. And if you read the Mark version, it says that the angels were there and attended to him. So he's not alone. So these opening verses tell us that when we choose to withdraw and when we respond to God's leading, the Spirit will be with us too. Maybe the angels will attend to us as well. Not everyone experiences that. Second thing I want to say is that we take our past experience of God with us. Chances are that if we make space for God, all manner of things will come rushing in. I don't know what, you've had that experience, you've had a really busy time, you go away, you try and be still, and you just can't be still for a long time, and all this stuff's coming into your brain. And that can distract us, tempt us, make us feel ashamed or regretful or inadequate. But not only do we have the Spirit with us, we have our past experiences of God with us. So we, we have been forgiven, probably many times. We've been set free. We know we have a merciful God, not a judging God. And all of that is with us. I don't know how many of you saw the interview a couple of weeks ago with Kristen and Janine Bates, and she shared that when confronted uh, with sickness, serious sickness and surgery, that it was her past Christian experience that rose to the surface. So the time she'd been to church, the time she'd worshipped, the, the sermons she'd heard, her, her Bible study, all of that was sitting there like a reservoir that filled her in that most difficult of times. And so we find a similar thing with Jesus here. He, he would have known the Old Testament and each time he responds to the temptations by quoting, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, uh, which has a lot to say about desert experiences. So it was a good source. And, and he goes straight to those. But I want to say today, these are not just proof texts that are rolled out. These are actually a sign of the relationship he has with the Father. And it's the relationship with the Father through the Spirit that gets him through these things. So John Bloom says of the Bible, the Bible is, is a mine, not a museum. Don't just look to th and see, but dig, explore, and take home some treasures. So let's a time to go deeper, to go deeper into Scripture, to open up all the assumptions, even our faith assumptions, to the Holy Spirit. So we grow deeper and deeper. And 40 days is a long time. It's a time to ponder. It's a time to chew over things. It's a time to come close to God. Meister Eckhart, who was a 13th century Dominican priest, said that we get to God by a process of subtraction. Sometimes we think in our quiet times or, or whenever we're reading a Christian book, what we're involved in is the approach, is, is, the, is addition. We're keeping on adding things so we're getting better and more mature and so on. But it's actually often a process of subtraction. So Eckhart says, let go. Rid yourself of all the stuff until there's only God. And we talked the other day about the transfiguration and how you know, the, uh, Moses and Elijah were there, the two great figures of the law and the prophets. But in the end, they weren't there and only Jesus was there. So it was only when the law and the prophets went that they could focus totally, absolutely on Jesus. 
And Jesus too left behind family and friends and work and food and took himself away. He subtracted in order to increase, to increase his focus, to increase his resolve, to remind himself of, of the call upon his life and to choose again to go forth on that really difficult path to the cross. Now there's all kinds of devotionals and apps and stuff for Lent. And I urge you, if you haven't got one, get one. And I will even let you not start last Wednesday. You can start this Sunday. So you've only got 30, how many days is that? 34? Six? Whatever. Do it. And, and the Spirit will lead you. Third thing I want to say is that we can trust that God will journey with us through Lent and through life. And what I want to do is tell an actual story because it shows us what can happen when we decide to go on a journey and maybe especially a wilderness journey. So it's a story of a man called Bill Towns. And he, was, he had lived an alcoholic lifestyle for many years. Uh, when he was 57, he was miraculously set free when he walked into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Now, I know that doesn't happen to most people when they go to those meetings. It's a process, a real process of stopping and accountability and all the rest. But for him, he was able to stop. He said, the peace in the room took my breath away. I haven't had a drink since, which is quite extraordinary. I went home a different man that day, but I still had so many, many issues to deal with. The whole history, you can imagine. He was born uh, west of Narrabri, New South Wales. He's a descendant of the Kimalaroi Indigenous Australian tribe. He was married with two children and he said, as I went through life, I built my relationship with the Lord. He's been so patient, so gracious, so kind to shape me into what I've become. He restored my family. He's restored my children. And he's in the process of restoring me. You know, like us, there's still work to do. We've still got a long way to go. But we have this kind, gentle, persistent God who wants to work with us in that. For him, it did actually require a significant wilderness experience. Probably none of us will do this if we do. If any of you do, I'd love you to keep in touch with the church and send photos. God urged him, inspired him to ride a horse across Australia. Now those with those sorts of brains will be thinking, how far is that? It's 4,000 kilometres. It's a long way in a car let alone a horse. But that was essential for him coming to a point of healing. He said it was so hard, but God said to me, if you actually do it in the flesh, I'll do it with you in the spirit. I believe that God was healing me from the inside out. He said the whole journey, God was fathering me. And I was growing and growing. He was removing all my shame, all my grief, all my guilt, all my sins. He says, things still need to be put right in me, some things. There's still a lot of work to be done. He says, my time in the wilderness changed me for life. And Jesus' time in the wilderness, I mean, was transformational too. I mean, you, you, you know the journey he was on. In the wilderness, he reconfirmed his desire to obey the Father and walk the way of the cross, and he did that. And the possibility of the whole world being set free came from that. Then there's a time for us 
to intentionally continue our journey with God. And I just want to say today, that will not disappoint you. It will change you. But you will encounter the living God. So I urge you to use these days of Lent to draw close to God. Let me... Uh, now, let it, actually, let us pray first. I'm going to suggest we spend a few minutes in silence just where you are, that you would ask the Spirit to show you what God wants you to do during the remaining time in Lent. So just ask that and let the Spirit speak to you. Thank you, Jesus, you're a God who speaks. Thank you for your determination to follow the path God chose. Thank you for coming to earth to live our life and even know our death. We, I pray you'd lead us in this season of Lent. For those things that have been said to these people, we pray for the strength and the will to do them, that people will encounter you and will be changed. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.